Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program, and here with me today in the Nerd Cave is a close personal friend of mine and member of the nerd community, Jen. Hello. And we are old nerds and we are drinking. So today we are uh, once again dipping into my uh, stash of Grand Traverse Distillery's Solero Bourbon. It's a bourbon that is finished in uh, cognac barrels. It's amazing. If you can find it, I definitely highly recommend you get it. So, uh, Jen, cheers. Cheers. It is very tasty and mm. very smooth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's some good bourbon. You have excellent choice in drinking. Why, thank you. I, I do try. But uh, Jen is a friend of mine whom I met through the uh, convention circuit here in Michigan. Um, she and my girlfriend Lisa met at Motor City Comic Con. Yep, when I was somehow I was volunteering for Will Wheaton's VIP line. <laughs> Will Wheaton? <laughs> yes. All uh, right, so, and that kind of got you in my orbit, and. Do, 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 here we are. Oh, yeah, smooth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And you are a fellow fellow member of the nerd community. And you are actually uh, you are actually fluent in a few nerd dialects that I am not. Um, you are... Or why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Um, let's see. To sum me up best would be a sewing enthusiast. Which devolves also into cosplay, which feeds into my anime nerdum, And then on a complete random tangent also leads into, you know, somehow I got morphed into a rabid wrestling fangirl. And sprinkle in a little bit of weather nerdum thanks to my meteorology degree that I do not use at all in my real life career. <laughs> I know, but I do like being able to have you on call if I need to, like, say, hold on, let me consult my meteorologist. <laughs> you, it, it still gives me a chuckle how many people be like, so what's the actual forecast? And I'm like, give me a minute. I have not looked at the models at all today. Oh, hey, it is supposed to snow tomorrow. Right? Uh, my, after the last few years in Michigan... I'm officially adopting the same rules for snow forecasting that women use for measuring a man's dick. Whatever he says, assume it's going to be half. So 
<laughs> if they're saying it's going to be eight inches, you're getting four. So technically, all you just got to do is go to the National Weather Service website, read the local forecast discussion, and they will actually clearly outline in there how much confidence they have in the forecast. And that gives you an idea if they're overhyping it or if they have a pretty good idea what's going to be happening. Oh my God, that just gave me the best idea for a new game show. Weatherman to tell the truth. Like, so you get a bunch of local forecasters and they all forecast the weather. And then you have somebody from the national weather forecast who's basically just like, yeah, that's a good assessment or nah, they're full of shit. I'm sure it would make amazing ratings to like a very select few. <laughs> um, also, I will say you have possibly the most impressive collection of vintage video games of anyone I know. Yes. Like, I I have dedication to some old school gaming, but you and your husband officially take the the whole enchilada. Yeah, we, I want to say we have every gaming console because there are, you know, definitely some oddballs we don't have. Hey, if you don't, if you don't have a TurboGrafx-16. We do. Oh man, like that was the one when I was growing up, like every kid wanted the tu the TurboGrafx-16. Because of Bonk's Adventure, the greatest game ever. Okay, actually that's Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, Super Mario World. Like, like I gotta, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Like if you're gonna put a gun to my head and ask me my favorite Super Mario game of all time, it's always gonna be Super Mario World. And, and I don't know why specifically, because that's one of... Like, I didn't have a, uh, a Super NES, so, like, the only time I played that was when I was at my friends' houses, but that was, like, the one Super NES game. Like, they're all like, well, let's do this. I'm like, mm, could we play Super Mario World? Um, <laughs> and I never got, I think, past, like, there's a certain, there's a certain point I could never get past, and even when the uh, Super NES, uh, like, I don't know what they called it, the nostalgia combo, the... Oh, the Lost Worlds combo? No, no, no. The NES where it was just a little NES that like had all the preloaded games. Oh, on. the NES Mini. Yes, the NES Mini. That's that's the word I was looking for. But yeah, like, we got one of those. So do I. And the only game I've ever played on it is Super Mario World. And I've played it to exactly the same point I could never beat as a kid. And I'm still not good enough to beat it. <laughs> Let's see, like... Super Mario Bros. 3 has like a special place in my heart because me and the neighborhood uh, kid, when I was like little, we would literally take turns marathoning it and try and see how far we could get before we were told it's dinner time. You have to turn off the video game. Oh, like early speed running. Uh, yeah, because there would be some days we were allowed to use whistles. Mm. Some days we would not. And we try and see if we could ever get to the point of not using the whistles. And so, yeah, a little bit of early speed running before that was a thing. <laughs> um, I See, I had a, a Genesis. Uh, like, I was one of the few kids in my neighborhood who had a Genesis. Most of the other kids all had Super Nintendos. Um, Console Wars. Console Wars, man. And that, that was, like... I didn't appreciate until a little bit into the fact of me having the, the Genesis, like how much cooler that made me that I had the Genesis. 
because like I could play games like Mortal Kombat where I didn't have to enter the secret code for the blood because it was just <laughs> always there. I could play the Beavis and Butthead game where you had to like collect the pieces of a ticket to go to the Guar concert. Uh, and there were just more like adult themed games that that were available for the Genesis. And I still have my Genesis. I still have a bunch of my original games for my Genesis. Like nowhere near what you guys have, but you know, I I think I think I've got some ju- some gems in my collection. Uh, part of it is when two nerds get married, our nerd collection got combined. Uh, I, I do joke on occasion, my husband married me for my NES collection. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I will say I found it in a state sale, God, probably four or five years ago. There was like a, a, just a bunch of Genesis stuff, like games, and I bought them all. And one of them was The Lion King, and it's still in the shrink wrap. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I love it. There's a meme that makes the round of the, the internet every once in a while of like a, an adult dad telling his kids, like, here's a hundred bucks if you can beat the like third level on uh, the Lion King Genesis game. Oh, gosh. Was back when video games were impossibly hard, like pushing you to subscribe to Nintendo Power so you could try and beat their game. Oh, dude. Yeah, I tell kids that all the time. It's like, man, in my day. If you didn't have a friend who had the Nintendo power that told you how to beat something, or you just had a friend who was better than you, like, you would get to a certain point in the game, and it's just, get good, scrub, or you're done. So, in uh, my first year of college, one of, I brought up my Nintendo collection, and one of my roommates brought a couple of her Nintendo cartridge games. One of them was Battletoads. She also oh. brought with her her collection of Nintendo Power magazines and pulled out the one that looked like it could fall apart any second because it was How to Beat Battletoads. And there was just one night in which me and her are flipping through the magazine, desperately trying to beat this game. And we looked at each other we're like, how could you beat this game without literally this in front of you? I, for me, the game for NES that I could never beat was Castlevania II Simon's Quest. Because you would get to a certain point in the map, because like, it's a, a side-scroller, so you could only go left or right. And if you went one direction, you would run into this bridge. And it was, you Two, it wasn't uh, the way the bridge was designed. You could not jump over onto the bridge. There was a barricade, and it turned out you had to have this specialized whip that would allow you to break the bricks so you could get over, and we never knew that. So my story of that was I had Maniac Mansion for the NES. Mm-hmm. Inside Maniac Mansion was basically like a poster deal. Inside that poster was the code you needed to put into the microwave to try and deactivate one of, I don't even know if it was a bomb, but one part of the game. And if you did not have that code, you could not beat the game. Well, smart seven-year-old or eight-year-old me, like, threw it out because I'm like, okay, it's a poster, whatever. And then you find out, like, when you get to this part and you uh, read in, like, a the Nintendo Power magazine, 
by the way, you look at the poster for the code. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's in a dump. Oh, I am never beating this game until the lovely internet came out. <laughs> uh, Deja Vu. Uh, one of the very first, like, puzzle games I ever played. Like, it was... You had to, like, you woke up and you had no memory and you had to, like, figure out all this. I remember there was, like, a map you got in the game. And to solve the game, you had to do, like, one of those invisible ink things on the the map or, like, the, the poster you got or whatever to make a secret message appear. And that was, like a phone number that you would dial into one of the phones and that was how you beat the game. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. Oh, yeah. But now, spe oh, man, speaking of Super Mario Brothers 3, I was, uh, you know, doom-scrolling TikTok the other day because, as one is wont to do, and I came across, like, one of the nostalgia TikToks and it was the trailer for The Wizard starring... Well, the only person I know who's in it is Fred Savage. Like, I don't remember anybody else who was in it. But, yeah. Uh, where they... they it, oh, yeah. Hugo Weaving. Or Hugo, Hugo Weaver is the announcer for the tournament at the end of the game. Or at the end of the movie. I never noticed that until, like, this five, five days ago when I saw this nostalgia thing. And I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, man, that, that guy's voice. That guy's voice sounds familiar. I'm looking in. And I'm looking... I'm like, holy shit, is that Elrond? <laughs> Man, you bringing that up movie, I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I almost forgot that was a movie. He touched my breast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, feel like, I feel like I really need to make my kids watch that. Because, um, you know, like, I remember when that came out. And, like, that was how we learned about Super Mario World 3 was because, like, it was the big thing that in this this movie, in the video game tournament, the end thing was a new game, and that new game was Super Mario, Mario Brothers, Brothers 3. 3. And Super Mario Brothers 2 was so terrible that, that, like, we were all waiting for a new Super Mario game to cleanse the palate of 2. Well, because 2 was technically, at least in the U.S. version, was not an actual Mario game. Right. It was another game that they just put Super Mario into, but it, what was it, uh, Doki Doki Panic? Mm-hmm. But hey, we at least got Birdo. Yeah, yeah. And and, and Toad didn't, uh, no wait, Toad was, Toad was in one because he was always the one who told you that the princess was in another castle. Yep. And that was the first time you got to play Princess Peach. She was my, unless I had to jump high where I had to use Luigi, Princess was my main. Oh, yeah. she would just float around. Yeah, she could do that glide thing where you just, like, yep. sl like sail over all the bad stuff. I have to say, I think my absolute favorite, like, early console game was Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Like, and I, I, I still have that for my Genesis, and I, somewhere I have a bunch of the, like, little codes written down, because that was how you saved your game. You'd get a random, like, letter thing, and that was your code. Um, but, man, I remember just hours and hours and hours of playing that game. Yeah, we, um, so my old Nintendo is no more, because, you know, no one told you when you used a Game Genie, it was slowly pushing the pins down. 
and slowly destroying your NES's ability to read the cartridges. Oh man, I never knew that, but yeah, it totally makes sense. And and you know, we if you had that game genie, you used that game genie. Yep, and you had your your almost falling apart book with various codes to be like, I need infinite lives. Yep. My favorite cheat code for Super Mario Bros. 3 is when you started the game, you were loaded up with all three bars with various power-ups. You don't need the you don't need whistles when you can pee-wing through everything. Right? <laughs> or just, I was going to say, yeah, use the little raccoon suit. That was my absolute... Was like, I loved Mario with the raccoon suit. Like he, And I think that's kind of why I liked Super Mario World, because in addition to the raccoon suit, you got the cape. Mm. Which was basically just the raccoon suit, but you had a cape. My favorite, I, I loved Tanuki Mario was awesome, but Frog Mario just has a little special place in my heart in Waterworld. Oh, yeah, dude. I always sucked at Waterworld. Well, because like, you had to be Frog Mario. Well, no, I think it was just because I was traumatized from the uh, Disarm the Dam level of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Mm. So many times of hours and hours of my childhood were just repeating that damn level like just like trying to disarm all the bombs and not touching the, the little things that would shock you and oh my god that game that game was so insanely difficult for like 10 year old me all right gun to your head what would you have to say are your top five video games oh like we're talking anything yep so I would debate which one of the Mario parties I would go for. Um, it's just, that's always like my fun, get friends, have a few good laughs, and um, just chillax. Mm -hmm. Super Mario Brothers 3, because it always has a nostalgic place in my heart. Uh, I forget the full name, the Kirby that was on the Game Boy. Okay. Um, I might have been it was either kirby's dreamland or kirby's adventure no adventure was nes um i played that nonstop as a little kid mm -hmm. like one of the few memories i have as a little kid is it was unfortunately my great grandma's funeral and i just remember sitting in the kids room like i literally closest thing i could say is i speed ran kirby during that oh um yeah i know weird random memory but it's like one of those like it wasn't all bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> i had kirby on my side <laughs> um ooh, i got like so many others i know it's hard it's hard all right you start throwing out three while i think of my other two okay um first one is gonna be tetris like i Oh, that's oh that yeah. I might be stealing that one. That, like original Game Boy Tetris. Like I remember getting that and getting my Game Boy and just like zoning out and playing Tetris. And there is there is a humorous story that I had a friend who was a few years younger than me. Uh, he he uh, both of our sisters skated together, so we always kind of were stuck hanging out while our sisters were on the figure skating teams. Um, and 
He was of the slightly younger generation when the Game Boy Color came out and Pokemon hit. Oh. And it was like, oh, Pokemon's the greatest game ever. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's, it's not great. Uh, he's like, no, dude, I'm like the greatest Pokemon player ever. <laughs> like, I'm so good. Like, I am the best Game Boy player. Like, and I'm like, no, dude. He no. wanted to be the very best. best. Yeah, he did. He did. So uh, we developed a bet. Um, it would be a three-round uh, choice, or three-round games. He would choose one game. I would choose one game. And then if we were tied, a arbitrary third party would, cho- would choose a tiebreaker game. Um, and whoever won would be declared the master of Game Boy. <laughs> so he picked Pokemon. And it was, I think, the who could beat the first gym leader in the least amount of time played the game. Um, or, like, I think it might have been a couple of gym leaders because... But I remember because it was... You had your choice of your starter Pokemon and you could take, like... Uh, Pikachu, you... Squirtle, Bulbasaur, uh, or Squir- or uh, Charmander. It was Charmander, Bulbasaur, or Squirtle. Okay, Charmander. And you, but yeah, didn't you, if you had the gold one, you could take Pikachu? Uh, yellow didn't come out till later if you're going with original red and blue. Okay, yeah, this is original red and blue. Like, um, you get a Pikachu later. Right. But I think it was not until, like, after... I want to say it was between gyms two and three. Mm-hmm. All I remember was like, if you took one of them, I want to say it's either Squirtle or v- or uh, Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur was the cheat to get through the first gym leader as quickly as possible. Yeah, because like the first the first gym leader, or, or I think. Wait, it, no, sorry, I'm so wrong. You took uh, you took Squirtle because you went up against the rock type. Right. My bad. Oh, that's okay. But yeah, so like he took Charmander because, you know, he wanted the fire guy. I took Squirtle because I knew that it was the the way to do the speed run. And of course, I beat the time and won the round. So then we go to my pick and I picked Tetris. And I didn't just beat him at Tetris. I humiliated him at Tetris. Like, I, like, we're doing the head-to-head thing and I think it took me like 10 minutes to beat him. And then I decided, you know, I'm just going to keep playing because it, it just keeps going. Like, And I think I played for another half hour while he had to watch me humiliate him at Tetris. So to this day, if I ever call up that person, no matter what time it is, and I ever ask him, hey... Who's the undisputed master of Game Boy? He has to answer due to the terms of this bet. You are my lord. Man, I should have done that with some of my childhood friends. Right. So, uh, so my one of mine is Tetris. As as much as like I love Super Mario World, it's not in my top five. Um, just because while I love it, it's not like a groundbreaking game. Um, Shadow Run for the for the Genesis. Like, because that was, uh, because we were were talking about, like, I, 
that was honestly i didn't even play it until after like genesis had stopped been producing but i went back and because i love the shadow run role-playing game so i played it on the genesis and it was just so like wow this is kind of like a very very early open world rpg where you can just walk around the city and talk to people and do stuff and you don't have to just follow the linear story so that kind of blew my mind when i played it um i have to put a fallout game on here because combined the amount of time i've put into the fallout franchise honestly we're talking about months of like my life have just been playing fallout and i would have to say probably it's real close between fallout 3 or fallout new vegas I think Fallout New Vegas, I'm going to push a little... Like, I, think, I think I'm going to go with that one. Just because while Fallout 3 was amazing, and I spent a lot of time playing Fallout 3, uh, Fallout New Vegas called back to the earlier Fallout games. Like Fallout 1 and 2. So there were some really cool Easter eggs in there. And that kind of brought it more to the old Fallout games. Um, I think definitely one of my other, my other games, uh, so like that's one, two, three, my number four is going to be Lunar Silver Star Story, but the, Ooh. yeah, but it's gotta be the PlayStation version because that had the extra cinematics and everything that really made it a lot more fun. Um, and my number four Oh man, there's there's so many good ones. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to put Borderlands Two, and specifically Borderlands Two: Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. Hands down, I th- I've said it before on the podcast, but I believe that is possibly the best downloadable content for any game I've ever played. Like just in it took the game in a completely different direction told a story that was kind of tied to the rest of the game but was a little self-contained and made it fun and like gets to the end and it it's an emotional ending to the dlc but it's also like the same irreverent like uh, like humor that the rest of the borderlands franchise has um in addition to a bunch of just like nerdy D&D references but I I would have to I'd I'd say that's my top five well I did think of my two others um the first one would be Soul Calibur 2 for the PlayStation 2 Mm. um it was my second year of college I met so many people because I would sit on my futon while playing Soul Calibur 2, either just as the various story modes or doing the when you're finally able to slightly customize a couple characters and just play that nonstop. And guys would pop in the room of like, you're playing Soul Calibur 2? I'm like, yeah, you want to have a seat? I'll kick your butt in it. <laughs> Dude, I had some serious, like... Soul Calibur 1 is one of the only fighting games I've ever enjoyed. I, I'm not good at fighting games. I'm a button masher at heart. But, like, Soul Calibur 1, on, and specifically on the Dreamcast. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know at Pinball Pete's there is a Soul Calibur 1 arcade machine, right? Yes, I do. I've put so many quarters into that. So many quarters. So many quarters. Um, like I, I dabbled in Street Fighter 2. But like my number, my the only fighting game, and specifically because it had the story modes. Mm-hmm. And I remember in Soul Calibur One, there was like you had to fight somebody, but you had been poisoned, so like your health was dropping, like at a set interval because of the poison. In addition to you getting your ass kicked, and you had to win the fight before you died of the poison. Yep, uh, story mode being able to like add on and. Uh, being able to customize the weapons or rather just upgrade them. Right. And slightly customize the character. Like, yeah, I had my specialty was like the sword type. <laughs> Dude, I was uh, I was all about Ivy. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, and, yes. And it was just because like I thought her like sword whip was so cool. And you had to hit those buttons just right but once you got it down yeah what'd you yeah what'd you learn the combo she could do some cool shit mm-hmm. oh. all right so what's your number five um so when you mentioned pokemon that reminded me i'm like yeah no i put in many years of my life into pokemon blue mm-hmm. like um to the point of like you know played as a kid so much nostalgia then you grow up and you hear about the nuzlocke challenge and you're like Okay, you grab the game out and you try and do the Nuzlocke challenge. And then uh, a couple years ago for Extra Life, half of my marathon was just me playing Pokemon Blue with the um, mostly the Nuzlocke challenge. But I did make an exception because I came across a Pikachu. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, I'm breaking this one rule of the Nuzlocke challenge. And then I'd ask the streamers for like, okay, you get to help me name this Pokemon. And it was probably, like, the it made the 24-hour marathon gaming a lot shorter. <laughs> uh, I remember there was a story one time of somebody who did a, a like, did the entire Pokemon game with, uh, like... Twitch. A, no, with the Magikarp. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, part of the nostalgia of Pokemon came back because of that Twitch stream where everyone could input... Mm-hmm. in so to move the character and all hail the mighty helix fossil you know i an honorable mention for me uh, would definitely have to be the division two um because that came out kind of early covid and so a bunch of my friends and i that was like the guys from my gaming group that was kind of how we socialized is at night we'd all get on and we play the division two and it wasn't so much about the game but it was about in a time where we all couldn't get together playing that game online uh gave us a way where we could still hang out and we could still socialize uh so yeah i have a lot of good memories of playing the division two even though i i am terrible at it i was going to say like an odd special mention for me would probably be like fall guys because mm-hmm. I could just turn off my brain for a bit and just have some fun. Right. Which, you know, sometimes with the video games and online playing competition, like some people can get hardcore into it. It's like, it's Fall Guys. It's random boards. 
And sometimes you're, it's just a luck of some random, whether the banana hit you or where were you placed at the beginning of the ground? You know, that's, that's me in Minecraft. Like I, every once in a while will just fall into a Minecraft. Like, like I just will spend a month like getting really into Minecraft. And it's just because I, I something's going on and I just want to tune out and build cool shit in Minecraft. And that's what it's all about. Like I'm ne I've never gone to the Ender portals. I've never done any of the story stuff. The only reason I ever go to the Nether realm is just to collect glowstone to like make cool buildings that light up by themselves. But yeah, it's like I just want to make like underground caverns with skulls that have like lava pouring out of them. Or giant, like, Stark Mansion-style places where they're, like, hanging off the side of a building and there's glass walls and secret cave, like, secret rooms behind bookcases. That's, like, all I ever want to do in Minecraft. See, you have Minecraft Animal Crossing New Horizons was mine. That was my, like, I need to forget that there's a global pandemic happening right now. Right. And I'm just going to go collect some peaches and oranges and visit a couple islands. And, ooh, maybe today I'll rearrange my flower beds. And you just felt so accomplished because it's like, today I cleaned up my island. Oh, Please yeah. ignore the fact that the world is slowly burning. But look at my island. Oh, see, with me, it, it was either Minecraft doing that or Fallout 4. So I'd just log into Fallout 4, like go to a settlement and just start building weird like structures on the settlement. It's like, okay, I'm going to build this giant barn that I'm just going to put all my power armor in because, you know, I want to display all my power armor. Um, I, I, there's like a part of me that wants a Nintendo Switch, but then there's a part of me that knows I'm going to get like one or two games on the Nintendo Switch and then just never play it again. So it's like, why did I... I mean, I look at buying another console, and then I look at my Steam library, and it's like, oh, I have 300 games in my Steam library that I have never even downloaded, let alone played. But I paid money for them, and they're in my Steam library. Yep, I... I originally got a gaming laptop, because I'm like, I'm really going to get into Steam gaming. But... A decent amount of titles and when sales happen I'd grab a few and I'm like Jen what what have you done with Steam lately? I played Among Us. That's a thing. Oh yeah. It's like and I spent way too much money getting Dream Daddy. Uh, <laughs> um I my I just recently had to replace the video card in my computer. So my computer was down for a, a couple of weeks where I couldn't game on it. It was like barely clinging to life. And I got my new video card, and I put it in, and I'm like, oh, yeah, now I can, like, go back and play some, like, really graphics-intensive gaming to test it out. Or I could play the Battletech game from Harebrained Schemes that doesn't even barely clock my system, but I have, like, 7, or 700 hours in it. And, you know, let's just play that again. Because it's, it's... I'll start a new campaign. I'll spend about 100 hours playing this campaign. And I'm, yeah, yeah. Or let's see, uh, way back in the day, Grand Theft Auto Therapy. Oh my god. Well, okay, first off, what was your Grand Theft Auto? Oh, 
it was the PlayStation 2. Was that the... That was San Andreas, right? So PlayStation 2, it would have been Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, or San Andreas. Uh, I think it was Vice City. Yep, that was mine. That was my Vice... Vice City will always be my Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I did... So, like, when that came out, my wife and I were just married. We just, like, I got the PS2 right before we were married. And that was one of the few games we had for it. And we didn't have a lot of money. So we just sit at home on days where I wasn't working and we would just play Grand Theft Auto all day. It's like, okay, you play till you die. I'll play till I die. We're never doing the missions. We're just driving around the city. Like, like beating up Haitian gangers and, and, like, hookers and getting the FBI to chase us, all that fun stuff. I did the missions far enough so I could get to the tanks. Yeah. And then once I was able to get to the tanks, that's all I needed because Grand Theft Auto Therapy would be, go grab a tank. Let's just just slowly destroy the world until, you know, I'm caught. Mm Mm-hmm. And then just do it all over again. Oh, and, and just... What made Vice City amazing was the music. Like, that was the first one where they had, like, just real-world music for it. So I remember any time Come On, Feel the Noise came on, it's just like, time for a crime spree. Any time And I Ran came on, it's like, "Mm, time to grab them. Yeah, time to grab a motorcycle, get five stars, and see how long I can go to avoid it. Um, let's see, what, what's some other, but, uh, the other PS2 game, like I devoted a, a solid chunk of my life to was, uh, Kingdom Hearts. Same. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is why I have a place. I got a PlayStation 2. Yeah. I literally saved up the money from being a hostess at Red Lobster so I could buy a PlayStation 2 with Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Monster Rancher 4? Three or four. But yeah, like, like I, I, I was never a big Pokemon guy, but like when a friend of mine introduced me to Monster Rancher and I was fucking all about Monster Rancher. Like days spending, spent like scanning every, every, CD. D, every CD, every DVD, and just to see what they made. Fun fact, the uh, Twister soundtrack gives you a like Twister monster. Oh, there were there were a couple of them I had. I think uh uh I know there was one that gave you like this really badass like uh the enchanted armor dudes. Um but yeah, I can't re- I'm I'm blanking on that. I just remember I had the little like fox guy that uses like your starting monster and uh like my wife played him and he named him Binky and I did Razor <laughs> and then we would have battles of Binky versus Razor. Oh, my God. You saying Binky just makes me go Binky the Clown from Garfield. Hey, hey, kids. It's Binky the Clown. Oh, man. Um, trying to think. Cause, yeah, that was the thing. I didn't have a lot of PS2 games, like, because I was just coming off having the Dreamcast, and I had a decent amount of games for the Dreamcast. And then the Xbox came out, and I think I had more games for the Xbox than I had for the PS2, but... Yeah, Xbox and the Xbox games are probably the last set of games we started adding to our gaming collection. Mm-hmm. Um, Dreamcast, the, my husband has a goal of getting them all 
and he at least has like the top 10 most expensive ones bought and then i i think we're like at the 60 percent point for it it's a great system to do the i want every game collection right because the library isn't extremely massive and while there are expensive games on it it is not as bad as some of the other systems are to collect for i Plus, you get some really good classic RPGs with it. Oh, dude, yeah, Shenmue. Oh, man, I have spent mm-hmm. a lot of time playing Shenmue. Uh, the one the one game I always wanted for it that I could never get was Skies of Arcadia. Um, I have Record of the Lodos War, which I think is one of the rarer ones. It is. And I somewhere in my house have the strategy guide to Record of the Lodos Wars. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> Um, and I think I have the Shenmue strategy guide too somewhere. I love the fact that it's like, signs you know you're an older gamer geek. It's like, okay, yeah, we kind of mentioned Steam and Fallout guys, but most of our, like, games that make us happy with delight are like... Well, we're back after a, uh, random computer shutdown. Woo! And apparently John's brain has had a random restart too. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just crazy. But, um... So we were talking video games. Uh, we were talking our like kind of go-to happy games, um, and how both you and I are from an era where like our go-to happy games are from that like late nineties, uh, like when the console war really got interesting, when it was like player three and player four entered the uh, the the arena. I feel like dropping, you know. You know, just go listen to Mega Random MC Lars Console Wars game, and that that sums it up pretty well, right there. There's actually a couple of song. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's a couple of books on the subject that I've wanted specifically. I know there's one book that covers like the develop, like the rise and development history, and then the just absolute crash and burn that was the Dreamcast. Um, and then I know there's specifically a, another one that talks about like the early Sega Nintendo console wars, but uh, yeah, th- those are books I've always wanted to kind of just sit down and read and like just see the behind the scenes of that. Because um, in, in my older age, I'm really starting to develop like a lot of my reading is going veering away from trashy genre genre fiction and into weirdly specific non-fiction like like oh here like i said here's this book on the rise and fall of the genesis or i mean not the genesis but the dreamcast and like that stuff just fascinates the crap out of me i was gonna say um when me and my husband because his family's up in winnipeg so whenever we drive up there and back Mm -hmm. we'll find an audio book to listen to for chunk for a good chunk of the ride and this trip it was actually disney wars all about michael eisner Ooh. uh-huh really good i highly recommend it um i believe the book was called either the disney wars or disney wars oh yeah i am um... and then another one of our trips we actually listened to a book on the council wars that specifically delved into um, the different marketing strategies that each council did and like how they tried to make it seem like 
Nintendo's more for the kiddies and Sega was for like the adults. Right. And like how that was almost a complete happenstance that it came like they started that campaign and it was mainly because of the controversy around Mortal Kombat. Right. I yeah, I remember when Disney Plus first came out, there was a series, like a mini series on there called The Imagineers. Mm. And it dealt with kind of the the development of the park. And you know how Disney would always say, our Imagineers at Disney. But it talks about like the like the de- or not the development, but the creation of that job title and how they built the parks and their philosophies behind it. And how it was basically a boys club. Right. It was like a mini fraternity. Oh my God. This leads into one of my favorite stories. Um, Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, don't dip your pen in the company ink? Um, I actually do because of Disney Wars and them talking about how. That phrase was coined by uh, Walt Disney to his animators and it was... Uh, don't dip your pen in the company ink and paint girls. Yep. Because uh, all of the cells were painted, uh, the hand animation cells were painted by a very, very specialized group of women who were the ink and paint girls. And who they Disney acknowledged they had a better eye for color and a better eye for painting. So he valued them so much that he basically just didn't want his hornball animators, um, you know, screwing them and then letting them or screwing them and making them quit their jobs. Yep. It, like it was led to be a, no, I'm trying to protect the girls. It's like, no, you're trying to make sure. Cause if they get married up, they're quitting. Right. Um, did in the Disney Wars book, they talk about, the Cinderella, uh, af- or not the Cinderella, the Snow White after party. Yes, it, they totally covered that. I oh. Oh, loved it. There, I, I watched a couple of YouTube videos on, on this, like, th- raucous party that took over this country club and just devolved into full-on chaos and debauchery. Uh, at at one point, I believe there was a horse in the swimming pool. Yep. Yeah. Every like by the afternoon, everybody was drunk. Everybody was hooking up, and to the point where they were, the hotel was trying to get them to leave. And Walt Disney had to come and basically pull out everybody before the police showed up to get them, to arrest them. Yep. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah. I don't listen to audiobooks like, and that's a funny thing. I've moved my trashy genre, genre fiction consuming to audiobooks uh, because usually when I'm listening to audiobooks is when I'm driving and I can kind of just like sit back and in, ingest them, but kind of, well, my brain's on autopilot. Yeah. Um, Whereas when I'm doing reading nonfiction, I really kind of want to be digesting and taking in. Um, Like, man, I I don't know what it is. Like, I got a little older and all of a sudden I'm reading books with appendices and like actually looking at the appendices for references. Like, when the shit did this happen? 
Is this like that thing where they say like all guys, as soon as they turn 40, either get really into military history or really into smoking meats? Or really into doing their own craft beer. Oh, yeah, their own craft beer. Um, and it's funny because in our friend group, we've got somebody who does each. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Rojan, the, my co-host, he does craft beer. Um, my friend Guy, he does the smoking of meats. And I'm the weird history guy. So all three of the over 40 bases are covered. When our powers combine, <laughs> we form the ultimate dad group. We are super dads. Oh, in the Mike Meyer eras, uh, uh, Mike Meyer era of Saturday Night Live, he had a reoccurring character that was middle-aged man. And like all these 20-somethings would be like, oh man, something went wrong with my car. What will I do? Middle-aged man, middle-aged man. He's got knowledge and powers beyond that of normal men. And, like, he would just show up and, and know these, like, random things to fix cars with his sidekick drinking buddy. I'm kind of just interested to have a normal movie year. Like, last year we kind of started going back to the movies, but, like, just to have a year where there's movies again. Like, to where it's not like, oh, hey, it's a huge deal that there's a movie out. It's like, no, there's just movies coming out all the time. Because remember, movies That's come how out. it was. In the before time, in the long, long ago. Uh, although, I, I, I do admit, I, I was kind of enjoying the whole, but I can make my own gourmet snacks and popcorn while we fire up the... Uh, <laughs> You know, fire up Disney Plus and play, pay money to just watch the movie here. <laughs> you know, I like that, but I also like going to see it in theaters. Like, um, when Dune came out, um, I watched it first at my house, and I loved being able to watch it at my house with the subtitles. Because, you know, first off, Dune has, like, a lot of space language, uh, so that's, like... I couldn't even read Dune. I had to listen to Dune on audiobook because there's just so much made-up space words that it's like it's just so much easier to have somebody read it to you. Um, and then I went and saw it in theaters, so I didn't have to focus on the dialogue as much because I kind of knew what everybody was saying, and I could just take in the spectacle of the movie. And holy fuck, was that a beautiful movie. Oh, yeah, and like the... Uh, Spider-Man movie we saw up in Winnipeg and it was like we were like no no we are making sure that we do not miss a Marvel movie in the theaters the only exception we made was Black Widow and that was just because um, at that point we were still like I don't know if I want to be with people just yet yeah that that was it was still pretty early I did I did go and see that in theaters um, but yeah, it's it's just nice to see that movies are back in production, um, that we're getting more regular release schedules, and and I miss that. I miss going to movies with friends and like the whole experience of it. Um, Must continue Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, Disney's. I got... need my fix. <laughs> oh yeah, because Eternals was so bad. Like, like, you know, let, let's just 
scrape that one off the MCU. We'll shove it into the pile with uh, Thor 2 and Iron Man 3. And we'll just forget those movies ever happened. Um, But yes, give me more Marvel movies. Give me more Marvel TV shows. Give me all the Star Wars TV shows. Um, and, And all the Star Wars movies. I really am ready to see a Star Wars movie on the big screen again. Like I it has been a bit. Yeah, Solo was the last one. Um and especially with how amazing Robert Rodriguez and uh 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 fuck uh happy. Mm. Yeah, you're unfortunately asking me who I- I'm lucky if I remember my friends' names anymore. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> John Favreau. Okay. So yeah, uh, Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, and John Fa- John Favreau are doing such a good job with the Star Wars universe. I think it's time uh, to like get another Star Wars movie out. Um, supposedly, I've heard rumors that the Ro- or the Rogue Squadron movie is dead in the water, which makes me sad because I was really, me too. really looking forward to that movie. Yeah, like, I, I was just reading something that the Rogue Squadron movie is uh, reportedly shelved, which means we're never going to see it, and that makes me the sads. Yep. I mean, to my knowledge, all I'm aware of is Obi-Wan Kenobi and eventually Mandalorian Season 3. So this year, because uh, we were just talking about this on the last episode, uh, the next series coming out or the next uh mini series for uh disney plus is kenobi i think that comes out in may so that'll probably be like a may the 4th release then it's either going to be the cassie and andor series or the ahsoka tana series um interspersed with another marvel series and then uh december is supposed to be mandalorian season three which is supposed to be the last season of Mandalorian, which I really hope they reconsider because it's so freaking good. Or, you know, uh, Mandalorian season three, or as we like to call it, part two of the Book of Boba Fett. Right? Or the Book of Boba Fett was Mandalorian season 2.5. Yeah. Or uh, as, as what I, to this day, still say is the best name I ever came up for for an episode of Old Nerds Drinking. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett was actually uh, My Two Mandalorians. <laughs> um, but, like, what are, what's some of the stuff you're looking forward to coming up? Going to conventions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I am... Mm, I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, we did the Michigan GT last year in November, and I think that was my first con post-COVID. Um, I am officially going to do Adepticon this year. Uh, it was a little iffy. So uh, in about two weeks, I will be at Adepticon. I'm hopefully going to bring the mobile podcasting rig and get some interviews there. Woo. Yeah. And then after that, it will be PenguinCon in May. Yeah. Or no, it's PenguinCon's in April this year. April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Which is amazing because if they have it, it will let me, it will finally allow me to attend Space Bar. Um, 
as it happens, Penguicon is almost always usually either the weekend before or the weekend after May 4th. And at one of the galleries in Detroit, um, every year, either the weekend before or the weekend after May 4th, they do this event called Space Bar. And inside this gallery space, they make up the gallery space to be Moss Eisley's Cantina. And they have performers, and they do a, a Star Wars-themed menu, they do Star Wars-themed cocktails, uh, and the only requirement is you have to arrive in character. You have to have a costume, you have to have a character, you have to have a backstory, and, like, you arrive as your character. Nice. And I've always wanted to do this event, but it almost always ends up being the same weekend as PenguinCon. Uh, so this year, with PenguinCon happening so early, I may act if they do Space Bar, I really want to go. Yep, I'm... Let's see, my... I did Origins last year, and you could tell, like, it was kind... I won't say post-pandemic, but kind of the attempts to have a convention while still in the pandemic mode. Right. Like, everyone who was doing registration or events was like, yeah, this is like maybe half the crowd we're used to seeing. Well, even even when I went to SHOT Show, they said it was like two-thirds of their normal attendance numbers for SHOT Show. Um and I'm expecting attendance to be down at most of my cons, but uh, Adepticon just announced that they, uh, due to decreasing restrictions in Illinois, you won't be required to wear a mask as long as you have proof of vaccination in the building. So, um, oh, slowly moving to endemic mode. Yeah, I was just saying, it, it seems like we are really kind of moving towards this point. Um, where it isn't as serious as it was. I mean, even with the variants, uh, oh God, poor Ro, poor Rojan. I think he's had COVID three times. Um, Oof. yeah, but thanks to vaccinations and all that, he said by the third time he had COVID, it was because he had been vaccinated because he had been boosted because he had had COVID twice. Um, it wasn't it wasn't very bad he, he even him being a severe health risk and having uh, danger factors still it was a relatively mild thing for him and i know a couple of other people who have had covid multiple times and they said yeah as long as you're getting your shots and as long as you're you're getting your boosters it really does help mitigate to where it's more moving past a oh my god i might have to go to the hospital to Oh my God, I'm just going to be miserable for a couple of days. Yay, science. Science! But uh, yeah, looking forward to PenguiCon. And now that I do sewing as like my main side gig. Um, it's not your side hustle. It's your main hustle. It's my main hustle. Um, I have AlmaCon at, at the end of March. Uh, then PenguiCon... Uh, JFAX. Um, I probably will go to Origins for fun reasons. I'll probably be going to Gen Con to help a friend because uh, they're a vendor. 
and that'll be fun because I have not been to Gen Con in like 15 or 16 years. Uh, let's just put it this way. The last time I was at Gen Con, uh, not only was it in Milwaukee, Gary Gygax was still alive. Oof, yeah. Uh, let's see, last time I went to Gen Con, it's when I was a hardcore active player in Dragon Ball Z, the CCG that was done by Panini. Um, so like the old, old school one. Oh man. I long ago vowed I would never play another game with the words collectible in the title. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, after that one, I thought it was done and then they re, they came back with Dragon Ball Z again. I'm like, okay, time to go back to your first love. Just when I thought I was out. Pretty much. pulled me back in. And I'm like, oh yeah, now I, now I remember CCGs and being able to play semi i won't say professionally but you know to actually be able to not suck at tournaments it's like oh yeah there's where half my paycheck went oh my god yeah i at my worst my magic the gathering habit was up to about a hundred dollars a week i i I was working at a mcdonald's at the time i was 16 years old i would get paid every monday and as soon as I got paid, I would go to my card shop and I would buy a box of booster packs. Oof, yeah. Um, I lucked out. My magic habit was mostly in grad school when me and a couple people in anime club would play casually. So, like, we just bought a bunch of starter decks and every now and again we'd go in on, like, you know a box of boosters together, open them and see what sort of decks we could make with that. Oh God. I wish I could have done that. Uh, see, I am, I don't, I don't hobby in half measures. As you may have noticed from looking around the nerd cave, I am a bit of an obsessive nerd. And when I fall into something, I fall into it hard. Um, you know, that's why I don't do crack. I, oh, I can't either. Um, that That's my fabric collection, which I now call my fabric portfolio because most of it is custom fabric that thanks to, like, I won't say COVID, but because of trying to get stuff shipped from overseas being not so great right now, like half of my custom fabric shops have closed up shop. So I'm holding on to like a print that people really, really want. But yeah, you may never be able to get you that may never again. be able to get it ever again. Yeah. Um, sadly. Um, and and please, with a grain of with a grain of salt, um, the tragedy that is the situation in the Ukraine, um, believe it or not, a lot of gaming uh, stuff comes from that area of Europe. Um, so we're starting to notice like some of the things there are, are losing or we're, we're seeing slowdowns in. Um, yeah, there, there are actually a decent amount of shops on Etsy that come out of the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Like I've had at least two or three friends, like how this hit them was they would get emails from people saying, here's the deal. We have no idea when your order is going to get to you because we don't even know if our shop will exist by next week. Yeah. 
Uh, there are a lot of custom sculptors who do uh, boutique miniatures, uh, especially for games like uh, Blood Bowl. Um, and they're they're in the Ukraine. And, and yeah, my, my heart goes out to uh, anybody there because it's just a terrible situation. And that that's kind of all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, like all my friends really responded with like, stay alive. If this never ships, that's okay. Use yeah. the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean, we're still... God, the last time I looked, I believe the port of Los Angeles was 78 ships backed up. And that was before Chinese New Year. God only knows after Chinese New Year. Oh, it's going to get worse as the factories start coming back online. Like, hilariously, I mainly know this info because of all the custom fabric groups I'm in. And half of them are like, okay, we're on a countdown timer to finally be able to talk to the factory that prints most of our stuff. But please be aware, you know, there are rolling blackouts so that this uh, factory only operates half of the month when it's not shut down for holiday reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder I wonder if that had anything to do with the like them shunting power for the Olympics. Oh, I wouldn't be completely surprised by that. Cuz I know like the Three Gorges dam generates like a mind-boggling amount of power, but uh yeah, it's that's just yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it got to the point that a lot of custom fabric groups have now moved completely to U.S. printers, and they're like, so here's the deal. Your fabric's going to cost $10 more because I'm sick and tired of having to wait for something, like, you know, something to get here, and it takes, like, six-plus months. Okay, so, so here's the question. Is that printed on the fabric, or is it fabric where it's woven with that pattern in it? Um, so... It's kind of almost sublimated printed onto it. Okay. So, like, the shirt I'm wearing right now is actually a custom fabric panel. Mm -hmm. And if you stretch it, like, they're, the fabric is dyed that. Like, it's not like a vinyl print or a screen print where if you pull on the fabric enough, you know, that part starts just, just, yeah. ripping apart. And you can, and that's when it starts fading. Like, this shirt will never, unless I literally pour bleach on it or just wash it too many times, start okay. fading. Yeah, that, that's always, uh, that, was, that was something I just thought of. Oh, yeah, no. Um, it It's kind of cool when you think about it because it's like, oh, wow. Wow. Like, I, every time I look at t-shirts now, I'm like, well, that could have been like custom printed and sublimated so it could last so much longer. Oh my god, I hate oh, that. Oh snap, I'm having way too high standards when it's coming to t-shirts. Yeah, like uh my my nerdy t-shirt, like I going back to, you know, my obsessive tendencies. Like I have to Facebook with blinders on because you know, Facebook is trying to sell me a t-shirt, like at least Two or three times a day. And and I would love to have all of them, but I have so many nerdy t-shirts, I literally don't have enough time to wear them all. That, so so um That's me with my wrestling t-shirt collection. I I used to have Russell Crate, which was every month, and it came with two t-shirts. 
And then when I realized like half of my closet are these amazing wrestling t-shirts, but I'll probably never wear them because I really do not look good in a regular unisex t-shirt. <laughs> right. Well, it's, and it's like, I only want to wear them on special occasions. I don't want to like get them all, all messy. Or stained. Yeah, or stained. Cause you know, God forbid I can eat without uh, dropping something on me like a toddler. Uh, but yeah, so I have to really, really, but, uh, the point I was trying to make is like, I've got all these t-shirts that I really love, but I have the, the amount of care I have to put into making them last. Like they have to be washed in cold water. They, I don't use like really heavy or like really, uh, um, like heavy chemical cleaners on them. They hang dry. I won't put them in the dryer. Like, like, or I you throw them in the dryer for like five minutes to fluff it up. Yeah, or to just take the wrinkles out, and then they go into the, the, the amount of care I put into these, like just so they aren't they like the paint doesn't start cracking on them uh, for the screen prints, or they don't shrink up too much, or they don't start falling apart. Yep, I. Philly on that one. And now I'm to the point of like, since there are some in which I don't really wear. And since I know how to sew things, I'm like, okay, what can I turn this into? Hmm. I think I'm going to just start a collection of wrestling t-shirts that were turned into tote bags. Um, my mom had somebody, my mom's a, a, a quilter and somebody in one of her quilt groups took like a bunch of t-shirts and quilted them into a t uh, like yep. made a t-shirt quilt um that that's a pretty popular option with them um i i literally almost want to get into quilting for the purpose of doing being able to do something with my ginormous t-shirt collection yeah because i mean I, I like when i go to concerts I, I want to support the band and I want to get swag, but it's like, oh my God, I have so many concert t-shirts. And like when I will, what I hate is when it's a Kickstarter and like a Mega Rand's Kickstarter he recently did. Um, I wanted to get the vinyl record option, but in order to get the vinyl record option, it also came with a t-shirt and it's like, oh man, I'm never going to wear this t-shirt. I just wanted the vinyl record. Yeah, I've, I've, I've ran into that and normally I just go into the, well, this is either turning, like I'll purposely size up mm -hmm. so it turns into like that super comfy oversized pajama shirt. Right. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and now I'm like, okay, well, you know, also if I go a size up, I can modify them into tank tops that look semi-decent on me. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so, I don't want to wear them because it's like there's... You have memories. Yeah. That's another thing, like, man, like the sentimental memories from like some of the t-shirts and man, if I had enough wall space, I'd start like putting them in shadow boxes and displaying them. But man, I'm just running out of wall space. Yeah, I got like a couple t-shirts I need a shadow box because one was actually signed by the uh, NJ. PW wrestler evil mm -hmm. like he is a wrestler I majorly fangirl for and well he he's from Japan and one of the times he came to the US as part of the ROH War of the Worlds tour 
And my friend basically got to see me turn into a person who could not speak words besides <laughs> like, hum, hum, huh, 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 and I'm sure uh, Evil and Snow were just staring like, what, what, what's this girl doing here? Nah, like, they're, they're what, like, what's going on? Huh. They know. They know. <laughs> uh, well, it was more interesting because most people fangirl over, this is before Evil joined the Bullet Club. Um, sorry, spoiler alert. But then again, if you're following wrestling, you've known that for a while. Um, this is back when Evil was with L.I.J., uh, and him and Sonata were tag team partners a lot. And most people fangirled over Sonata because he was like, he had a little bit of meat on him and muscle, but he definitely had like that pretty boy look face mm -hmm. and very well done hair. And I'm like, no, give me evil who is bulky and cuddly and like has multicolored hair and, you know, is part sorcerer <laughs> nice i i have a t-shirt from the like either the very last time or the second to the last time uh amazing jonathan toured uh and we we he recently passed away and it's just like he's i have that t-shirt and he autographed it and it's like yeah i can i can never wear this t-shirt now i, I gotta or i gotta shadow box it yep and i got a shadow box one that uh nyla rose from aew signed uh her amazing wife kel made a bunch of t-shirts based off of an internet meme where they're trying to a bunch of trolls were trying to call nyla rose the princess king and so kel was like haha jokes on you i turned this into a t-shirt and we're making money off of it <laughs> jokes on you i'm gonna own that, that shit. shit and uh like, you know, those of us who bought it, we we're given the option of, well, do you want Nyla to sign it or not? To which the answer is, duh. Yes. Why wouldn't I? But the downside is I'm like, oh, I have this t-shirt that's really, really cool and I want to wear, but I don't want to mess up the signature. Right? Oh, no. I didn't think this through. I should have gotten two t-shirts. Oh, uh, it was a calculated risk, but man, am I bad at math. <laughs> But yeah, those ones. And then way back in the day when I would do Anime Detour, they used to auction off um, in their charity auction. They would always auction off one or two t-shirts that every guest signed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I bid a decent amount of money every year to make sure I got one of those t-shirts. Nice. <laughs> um, I got up to... Uh, two or three. I think it was three. Because one year I accidentally bid and then bid again and I won both. <laughs> so and I was like, well, it's going to charity and a good cause. Right. So that year I joked, I'm like, look, I have one to wear and one I can shadow box. Ha ha ha. Exactly according to the plan. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So... We've been going for about an hour and a half, so I think this is probably yeah, this is probably a good place to wrap it up. But uh, we will definitely have to have you back on to talk some more uh, from your various trips to Japan and experiences with the wrestling and and all that fun stuff. But uh, Jen, where can people find you in the world? 
Um, probably your best spot is on Twitter. Although I will give you a heads up. It is basically a wrestling fangirl account. Um, so anybody who joins me, uh, buyer beware. I think buyer beware is the best one way to put it. Um, it's WX Girl Squee. Okay. And as always, you can find us at the Old Nerds Drinking Facebook group. Come for the podcast. Stay for the memes. Uh, if you want to send us a message, you can email us at oldnerdsdrinking at gmail.com. Uh, but I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program. And and I'm Jen. Hi. Random fangirl. End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. So, what's the plan? Take on, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up. Lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're good, streaky! Please disperse. Nothing to see here, please.